Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey, 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 this is NFL Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. I'm excited to announce the launch of my new podcast, Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast. I'll be talking with friends, family members, old teammates, athletes, celebrities, moguls, and guess what? I'll be talking to you. Listen, this is all in the search for everyday greatness. So I'm asking you to come along with me on this ride. Download new episodes of Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis podcast, every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on PodcastOne.com. It's not what you have. It's what's inside of you that actually inspires greatness. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is the great Jared Dubin, my former colleague at Mid-Level Exceptional and longtime friend. And I wanted to have him on to talk about the various proposals that we've seen and will likely get a result soon for how the NBA should return to play. We talk about the importance or lack thereof of playing regular season games, the pressures that the NBA is under, our preferred playoff formats, the strengths and weaknesses of the different things that are out there, you know, top 16, group stage, all of that. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation and I, I appreciated getting his perspective on this. And I, he changed the way I thought about certain elements of of this and what should be prioritized then we also talked about the some of the big picture in terms of where this all slots in in terms of timing and everything else so i thought it was a a great conversation and a great primer for learning what's coming up this week brought to you by bet online go to bet online and use the podcast one promo code for your sign up bonus and episode runs a little bit over an hour i think you'll really enjoy it thanks so much for coming on thanks for having me as always man appreciate it this is a really unusual time beyond all of the other thing all the other reasons because I, I was thinking about this but what we were kind of lining this up to talk and i can see the appeal for the nba to really see this conclusion of the season whether that includes quote-unquote regular season games or not as a one-off and that these are unusual circumstances that need to be handled unusually to to get in you know how you choose number teams and all that but then there's another part of me that says, yeah, that's true, but it's also an opportunity to, even though it's a one-off, really tr- maybe not try things. That makes it sound too ambitious, but like think about this as an opportunity to not just resolve this season, but maybe experiment a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a common line of argument, especially over the last few days. I do think that there's been – a few things in the push for experimentation that are kind of ignored though, because a lot of the things that are being pitched, including some of the things like, you know, the group stage plan that's out there. um, Some of them don't necessarily work in a non coronavirus year. Like if you're doing, you know, group stage stuff every year from now on, just how does that work? Logistically, you got to fly teams all around the country to have these games what if portland miami and boston all wind up in the same group like there's concerns about that 
flying from those cities to those cities if they just do non-conference playoff games and you would be staying there for multiple days with multiple days off in between to play multiple games. It's obviously you know considerably more difficult if you're crisscrossing the country just to play one game each, you know. And then if you're doing this group stage system again, like you're talking about probably considerably lengthening the period of time in which the playoffs actually takes place. That's another logistical concern. You got to worry about hotels. You got to worry about how to schedule it on TV. You got like, there's so many different logistical concerns that need to be worked out. And that's like 75% of making some sort of other plan work is just the logistics of the way it would actually work in, in practice, not just in theory. So if it only works in the bubble environment of Disney world, it's not a plan that you can use for the future and it's probably not necessarily one that should be put into use this year just because like why would you do one random thing for one year like to me if you're going to experiment with something it should be something that could possibly be a solution to you know any issue that you might see in the playoff structure that you might want to make permanent now for me like i think that the current playoff structure is fine. I don't have as many problems with it as other people do. That's not to say that I'm, you know, de facto opposed to change. I just don't think that much like, you know, let's keep doing it the same way because that's the way we've always done it is not a good reason to keep doing things the same way. Let's change it just to change it is not a good reason to change things. Like there should be some sort of, you know, evidence-based reality that shows you that what you're doing to make changes would be an improvement on the current system. And that sort of depends, I think, on what your definition of an improvement is. And that's where you could get into, you know, a lot of different philosophical conversations about, you know, what your goal for the playoffs should be. Right. And first, I will echo your belief on the lack of viability of a, of a group stage system after this year. I, I fully agree with you that if if that is implemented for this time, it needs to be considered an anomaly. And you bring up a really good point that doing it one time, especially when, I mean, this is something that's come up, like I was talking with Ben Taylor about The Last Dance and numerous other things, is anything that's really weird, when you look back on it 15, 20 years later, will sometimes be viewed with some skepticism. Now, sometimes that can be justified by later things that happen like like it can be so for example like san antonio that first title that they won in 99 in the in the lockout shortened season that was viewed with some skepticism at the time but then san antonio became this amazing franchise and so then it, it kind of the context changed the way that people thought about that outcome but the group stage could be a different sort of challenge and i i agree with you i think that it gets in there and then that gets to what i think is Based on the reporting, and obviously that's a very important caveat to throw on here because it could be that there are additional discussions that we are not privy to. But what has been very frustrating to me, and this is part of the reason I wrote the piece I did for The Athletic, which I'll talk about in a little bit, is there's been a lot of focus on who deserves to be in. And that's, you know, is a 16-team tournament fair? What about these four teams? And what about these other two teams or anything like that? And the NBA is balancing a lot of different complicated priorities here. I mean, and, and an important one that sometimes gets lost in the weeds is revenue. Like that's a big, you know, big part of this was are they going to like of the playing regular season games and all that is if they can fulfill these uh, regional contracts and, and then that ensures more money for the teams and the league and then and, that, and also, of course, for the players because that's the way the revenue split works. So 
not all of this is about picking, you know, do, about the champion and the playoffs and all that type of stuff. And that's important to acknowledge at the beginning. And the hardest part about that is a lot of that stuff is held close to the vest. So we have to kind of speculate and infer. And I don't love that, but that's the way it works. I'd rather it be, you know, uh, for all things, I'd rather it be public because then also I would get more to know and work with. But the so like, you, you brought up the idea of like what should be prioritized, and that's kind of where I want to really start with. Do you have a response to that before I get into the other thing, first of all? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very obvious that money is a massive concern. Like, as we're talking right now, like, approximately 25% of regular season games have not been played. That is obviously a huge hit to the NBA's bottom line through the national TV contract, through the local TV contracts, through all sorts of sales that would happen of tickets and then in arena sales and everything like that. Like it's a huge amount of money. And that's why we're talking about, you know, for them, I don't think there was ever really a consideration of, you know, not playing the rest of the season at all. Like it's, it certainly seems like they were always planning to come back in some form or another. And it was just about figuring it out logistically um you know i don't know what would have happened if things you know truly exploded and there were you know millions dead in the united states right now rather than merely a hundred thousand uh which is you know as ridiculous as that is to say but you know it's it's pretty clear you know from an economic standpoint that they do want to play as many games as possible when they come back you know some of that i would say the owners and players are largely pulling the same direction on that i would say maybe there are different focuses on safety and on viability but Remember, I mean, that the ripple effects of this, the players basically get half of the basketball-related income that comes in, so getting that up to closer to normal levels would make a big difference for them, too. Oh, for, for sure. And also, like, they're the ones, supposedly, based on the most recent reporting, that are pushing for regular season games before the playoffs because they don't want to just go straight into the playoffs and, you know, be rusty or have an even greater chance to get hurt. Like, I think you might see some minutes management when we first come back, even for the star guys and teams that are fighting for playoff positioning or things like that. Like, it's they're going to have taken by the time we come back, if the July 31st date is what ends up holding, it's going to have been like four and a half months off for everybody. You know, yeah, that's longer a, than a typical offseason. There was a stat. I, I wish I remember who it was. It might have been Adam Reisinger had this that it just so happens if the if basketball NBA basketball resumes on July 31st it will have been exactly as long that they haven't played as the start of the regular season to the day play stopped so if you want to think about how long of a gap that is that's crazy for a competitive basketball and that's and that's and and also remembering that the stoppage was not representative of other ones you know this isn't when during the summer, when guys are some of it is taking vac- vac- you know taking vacations and all that, but also they have time to work on their game, they can do kind of whatever they want in that respect. This was a very challenging circumstance. You know, people who have who have kids, maybe that maybe they don't have where they live doesn't have the right facilities for exercise, and they can't go other places if that's what they usually do. You know, all there are a lot of different challenges that these athletes faced both personal and professionally during this time and so this isn't you know like there's the discussions of you know like oh the lockout and the strike shortened seasons and, and those stoppages this is even more constraining than those were not only like they, they all have the parallel of being an indeterminate amount of time but because what you weren't allowed to do this is, is during this one is totally different than during a lockout where everything is open right the rules during this lockdown were not any different for like lebron than they were for you or me or anybody else you know obviously the the standard of 
living that you have changes certainly with your socioeconomic status. And, you know, if you have more money, you probably have more room in wherever you live. And it's potentially you could have a gym or you could have a basketball court or you could have any number of other things. You could just be generally more comfortable because you're not worrying worrying about your money as much and certainly a lot of nba players fall into that camp but i mean just in terms of not really being allowed to go anywhere like they haven't been allowed to go anywhere just like we haven't been allowed to go anywhere so you know it's it's not like that they've like you said all been working on their games every day like they do for a significant majority of the offseason like i'm sure that everybody's been trying to make some sort of effort to stay in shape and to keep their game sharp but it's not the same kind of thing that you could do you know in a typical offseason or like you know when you're hurt and rehabbing and that's you know, for whatever reason you would normally not be playing basketball you have not been able to do the same things during this time that you would be able to do during those times for the most part um I do think one more thing uh, for the group stage fans out there, um, just it's been sort of sticking in my head. Um, let's say you're doing it beyond this year um, and you say, well, instead of having everybody fly all across the country because that doesn't work logistically, we're going to do it at a neutral site. Um, okay, what's the neutral site? Is it one neutral site for every team that's in the group stage or are there multiple sites around the country? Are you deciding those sites during the season if there are multiple sites so you could give you know well, whatever that, that part you probably, probably do one for the eastern conference and one for the western conference okay so let's but, say but you the, one... then you lose you lose a lot of gate hey come on let, let, let me let, <laughs> let me get through my Sorry. complaints here <laughs> you lose gate revenue you lose like what's the point of the regular season if let's say you're the lakers and you're the best team in the west but this year the Western Conference group stage is in San Antonio. Uh, why did the Lakers just go through the whole season to get the one seed? Why do they care about getting the one seed at all? Um, like, and I don't know. Like, it just to me, the the logistics don't work if you're gonna have everybody have to fly all over the country. If you're having it in a neutral site, you're devaluing the regular season even more than it already is. And that's, you know, a lot of the complaint. Like, I don't think it's any more likely that you'll get, you know, better results or better games out of the group stage uh, type of system than you will, you know, from a 1-8. Like, why would the Bucks not sleepwalk through a group stage just as much as they would through a first-round series well, and, with and, the Magic? And there's you know? another big problem, which is what if they don't and then they're out? You know, I said right. that's- and that gets into the, the conversation that we were just going to have. Like, is, is your goal to introduce chaos or is your goal to crown the best team as the champion? Exactly. To me, the chaos is not a worthy goal. Like, chaos for the sake of chaos because you happen to think it would be fun – um, that to me is is not a worthy goal of a playoff system. If chaos results from your system that is designed to you know engineer the best possible champion, then you know fine. Like I think last year, Fred Van Vliet shooting nine thousand percent for six weeks was a little bit of chaos injected into the system. And the Raptors, you know, while they were one of the best teams, I don't think anybody would have said that they were the single best team. Last season, coming into the playoffs, you know, certainly the Bucks throughout the regular season were better. The Warriors through most of the season were better. But you know what? Van Vliet got hot. They caught the right breaks. And they wound up becoming the champions because of Van Vliet, because of their coaching staff, because of the, the rest of the players in the team, because of Kawhi, because of so many other factors. And that's sort of a natural consequence of the way that the playoff 
system was set up. If you're just designing a system for chaos purposes, that doesn't really make sense to me. I would rather see a system that's designed to crown the best team as the champion. And if chaos results and you wind up with, you know, a slightly unusual result, I think that that's fine. It's it's a great series of points, and where I want to go with it is I want to draw an analogy, and that's to the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is great entertainment, and I've 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 it was the first thing in basketball that I really enjoyed. That was even before I became a fan, and that is totally acknowledged. I go to I've been, when I was in college in particular, I went to a lot of the games in person, which was a blast. Everything else, the NCAA tournament is wonderful entertainment it is a terrible way to choose a deserving champion and that is the crux of one of the cruxes of 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 what i was of of what i've been thinking about and where i was leading kind of in the beginning of this and i'm happy we went where we did because that's a good way to kind of set all of this up is there has been all this focus on who deserves to be in and how many teams and is it 20 or 22 or 16 or, or or all 30 or whatever and those teams matter. I'm not going to say they don't. Obviously, there have been one eight upsets. There have been all sorts of all sorts of other crazy things have happened. And you could argue that the healthy amount of randomness and chaos that are inserted by this process, by having the players off for this long and everything else, and also having one of the most interesting dynamics that we're not going to know all the way for another couple months is who's available and who isn't relative to where things ended. And that's going to be fascinating. I mean, why? So Portland has come up in that perspective. Like if Nurkic and Zach Collins are ready to go, they are a fundamentally different team than they have been for the entirety of the regular season so far. And there will be teams that are hurt and benefit and some teams that are unaffected, just depending on how, how things work out. And I think that there's been so much focus on who gets in. And I think what you what you were kind of getting at, and I, this was the crux of the, the piece that I wrote for The Athletic, is that's all well and good. There's, you know, there's a place for that, and, and you could argue that they are more interesting conversations. However, the real meat of any proposal is how does it help crown a deserving champion? And so the argument for widening the field, the argument for a group stage, the argument for all this stuff, the place where it falls flat is the teams that you're adding in are exceedingly unlikely champions and exceedingly unlikely deserving champions. So they, you could argue that they deserve a spot at the table, but they're only going to have a spot at the table for a couple weeks, probably. Maybe one of them makes a run to the equivalent of the conference finals or something like that. And that is, to me, that's, that's, it's important to acknowledge that at the outset before we move into the, the, like, kind of the meat of what I'm thinking is, is the big challenges and opportunities here. I would think that you know just this, just because of how haywire things have gone and the fact that we're going to be restarting after four and a half months off, I think you're inherently going to have probably some weirder results this season than you would in any other season. Just like when you have a one one of a kind circumstance, you're I believe probably more likely to have one of a kind results. Um, you know, certainly in a smaller sample, you're likely to have outliers than you are in a larger sample. So, you know, if, if they decide that because of that this year that they want to get, you know, a little bit weird, like, you know, whatever for me, I would say that it makes more sense that the, a little bit weird that you do is something that you could see sticking around for the future. Um, just because like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like why have something that's just for one season, it doesn't really make 
all that much sense to me, which to me is why, you know, expanding the playoff field to 20 or whatever they want to do and have that play in tournament for the bottom seeds. That makes significantly more sense to me than a group stage type of thing, just because that's something that could actually happen in the future at some point um, and certainly seems to be, you know, a a proposal that had gained some momentum in the league at some point, even though it didn't wind up actually coming up for a formal vote because apparently it wasn't going to pass. But, you know, if they want to give it a test run this year and see if it's something that they think could work in, the- in you know, in practice as well as it does in theory for some people, then fine. But if you're throwing out ideas like let's have, you know, 17 teams and three of them play around Robin to determine who's going to play against the sixth seed, like, that kind of thing is never going to happen in the future, and it just seems like you know you're doing it just for the sake of doing it this year, and that you know at least to me doesn't make much sense. Like I understand you think it would be fun, but a it could just as easily not be fun, um, and then you wind up with something that's both not fun and not necessarily representative of anything that you've seen in the past or are likely to see in the future. Um, and, and I think the, the again the fact that you know it's it's probably not something that's going to be incorporated at any point in the future, to to me at least is something that would drive me away from doing that kind of a thing now. Yeah, and I, I will also add in some of the talk has been twenty versus twenty two. The twenty first and twenty second teams are the Suns and the Wizards in terms of record. Neither. Yeah, of I don't them, care about them. Neither of them deserves to be <laughs> in. And if the if the goal is revenue or something, the league the league has it within the rights if the players in the league agree to do that. But if if this is about choosing a champion, the Wizards ended up five and a half games out of the playoffs when the eighth seed in their conference was thirty and thirty five, and the the Suns aren't far behind the Spurs, but they it's not like they put up such a such a great season that oh it's you know this is something uh, Nate brought up when we did this for Dunkton like it's not like this is incidentally like that Suns team years ago that had the the tied for the best record ever of a team that didn't make the playoffs and so they're a victim of circumstance the Suns are 26 and 39 you have to draw a line somewhere and right. that uh, it, like to me there isn't there isn't a rational like a a fairness based reason to have it be 22 rather than 20 now for those last four teams this is again getting into the unusual circumstances of this year like yeah okay all those teams are within uh they they're all within one loss in the loss column of each other and a couple wins and then there's the kind of acknowledgement that while memphis was you know they were in as the eighth seed and deserved that spot they won they won 32 games nobody else won more than 29 they also had their hardest remaining schedule left, had the easiest part that they'd played, and some of these other teams did not. So, like, some of the models had them. So, like, I think you can acknowledge if you want, if part of the goal is fairness and getting the right teams in, there you can start to make a real, a real argument. And, I mean, in an ideal world, maybe you would draw the line differently, like, I don't know, with San Antonio or whatever, whatever, whatever kind of thing. Like, San Antonio and Phoenix were, in using cleaning the glasses filter, they were 19th and 20th in net rating this year. Um, but also Sacramento was like 21st. So it's not like they're, they're so much more deserving though. They did win a couple, they did win one more game than the Spurs and two more than the Suns. Yeah. Uh, look, the, the Suns are not that far behind the Spurs, but you know who they are really far behind? The Grizzlies. Right. <laughs> like they're six games back of the eight seed with what, 16 games to play. I'm sorry, but you know, how long did it take the Suns to win 26 games? You think that they're being six games better than literally any other team in the league over the final 16 games of the year? Like, give me a break, you know? Right. Like, does it make that much more sense to have the Spurs in there who are four games back with 15 games to play? Not really. 
but you know the the league clearly is set on you know bringing you know more teams than we're currently in the playoffs you know i don't think it, it's impossible that you know one of portland new orleans sacramento san antonio could have wound up jumping the grizzlies but certainly it would have only been one of them that got in because none of them are catching the mavericks who they're all like 11 or 12 games behind again with 15 or 16 games to play like it's not like more than one of these five teams had a chance of getting into the playoffs you know grizzlies fans can be like oh we deserve it more than them and it's clearly obvious like sure you know because the season happened to shut down on march 11th like if the season shuts down eight days later it might not have been so obvious you know like it's just the day that rudy gobert had his positive test is the reason that it seems so obvious right now. Everybody knows the stuff about the schedule and how it was going to get more difficult for Memphis and easier, especially for for uh, for Portland and New Orleans. That's not just necessarily to say that one of the one or both of those teams would have passed the Grizzlies, but it is to say that the fact that they're in by this you know much of a comfortable margin right now is only due to the way the schedule played out before it was finished. Um, you know, when it comes to the East, again, like. The Wizards were five and a half games back with 15 games to play. They have 24 wins. Is there any chance they were getting into the playoffs? No. But if the league wants to bring them, whatever. It's like, to me, the, the teams that deserve to be in are the teams that are still in at the end of whatever system the league decides to use when it comes back. Um, like, we didn't play a full season. To me, I don't know that you could say, you know, any teams beyond, like, the top seven in the West and probably the eight teams in the east like or even, all or even the six i mean i would say brooklyn and orlando deserve to be in because the rules are eight teams go in but they're they're both well under 500 so oh yeah if if things had broken differently and there had been like let's say the bulls and the hawks or whoever you know like had played better and it was a 500 threshold then they it's not like they're you know deserving is always a relative term but mm-hmm. they just they're more deserving because everybody else is less deserving and that's that is a part of it and so where i wanted to i also just Go quickly ahead. like if if we're expanding the field to include the suns who are two games back of the spurs why are we not expanding it to include the hornets and the bulls who are you know uh, a game and a half and two and a half games back of the wizards right it, it, and it's a slippery slope like you get it, it unless we're talking about like the warriors and the, the Cavs and a few other teams like it's not it's not super close you know like you, you're just that's just the way the stair step works is that you okay so you want to expand it a little bit and then then it becomes this new argument right i'm not you know saying we should use a slippery slope argument i'm just no, saying no, no. What's, I, the, what's the reason yeah. for including those teams that are two games back and not other teams that are right. two games back? And, and if the reason if the reason is money okay you know like that then then that's something but well, it's no. look certainly bringing i mean i don't know how much more money the hornets and the bulls are going to get you than the suns but you know if the the reason for expanding one more team is money than i mean three more teams certainly gets you even more money we would think plenty more to talk about with jared dubin but first a message from bet online while we're getting closer there's still currently no nba nhl or mlb so you might think that there's nothing to bet on but thankfully you would be wrong our exclusive partner bet online still has hundreds of events games and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they are bringing the vegas to you if you are missing the nfl that is not a problem because they have daily live madden nfl 20 simulations that you can wager on and nascar is back if you're into entertainment betting you could still bet on big brother stock prices and even the nathan's hot dog eating contest all open 24 hours 
a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device, but make sure to use the Podcast One promo code, which not only tells them that you came from us, but also gives you a sign-up bonus, which is fantastic. So take the time to check it out, bet online, and use the Podcast One promo code at our exclusive partner from Podcast One, Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Where I wanted to go with this is the focus has been on who deserves to get in and all that. And I think far too little attention has been paid to choosing the most deserving, to to having the most deserving champion and to properly rewarding, incentivizing, protecting, whatever you want to use there, the best teams in the league. And that was what I focused on in my piece for The Athletic. That was the that was part of the crux of why I, I've believed that top teams should choose their opponents for a long time. Like, that is not a new belief. But what I tried to articulate in the piece was they basically, in my mind, have to do it this year because a lot of the other traditional benefits of having a better seed, the reason teams push to win regular season games, are not happening this year. Getting home court for playoff games. Getting the other ancillary, so that's the crowd, but it's also the travel benefits that you get more games at home, you travel less, you get more nights in your own bed. And just all of the other structural things that that can happen that you get for being a top seed, most if not all of those are completely wiped away in a neutral site bubble. And mm. so they for- also just quickly they don't get you know if you're going to do say a group stage or a play in type thing they don't get the same rest advantages that they would typically get by you know either sweeping or gentleman sweeping the eight seed or the seven seed in those first round series. Right, and. So that was one of the one of the challenges that I dealt with uh, when thinking about what like my ideal playoff format was. And this is something I, you know, in an ideal world, I would have spent some time talking with players and coaches about is for those best teams to me, they they definitely deserve. So the, the way I describe this is group stage, knockout stage, if you want to use the group stage analogy or whatever it takes to get to the knockout stage, whether it's an additional knockout stage or whatever you want to do. For me, the best teams need to be in. Like, so if we're talking it's an eight-team knockout stage, the top four teams in the league from the regular season have to be in. And because otherwise it's not, you know, then then it's too random. You're embracing it too much. Then it's a, you know, a 16 seed can be to one. It has happened in the NCAA tournament before, once. Um, and But you don't want that in the NBA thing. And part, that's part of why they shifted to best of seven from best of five, is that it decreases the randomness. So the question that I am most interested in that isn't being asked enough, and hopefully it is in the conversations with the league and the player association, is those teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks of the world, what do they want to do between now and the knockout stage? I'm sure they want to be in it. But so the way that I resolved that was I included them in the group stage and then but made it so that they were into the next round in the same order in seeding as the regular season. And so basically the idea behind that wasn't because I, you know, thought, oh, it's going to be so much more fun to have them in the games and all that potentially risk injury. It's maybe they would rather play some games and get the rust off rather that that have some vague sort of counting rather than either playing amongst themselves or doing something else. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what the Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Giannis class, and obviously all their teammates, what they want. And I think that's a really important question that we need to be focused on. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that either. I think the idea that you know, you're going to have those teams like sit it out and scrimmage and like potentially televise those games because every game that's on tv matters to the league's bottom line and i think that's why they're looking at you know as many different opportunities to put as many different teams and games on the floor 
as possible. The idea that you're going to show scrimmages that don't count and they're going to like play and try and like Kawhi is going to play in those games or whatever that seems you know very far outside the realm of possibility to me. Um, you know, I, I do think that the the reason you're talking about any sort of expanded tournament, the the reason to do it is to get as many games as possible. Like, yes. To me, that's it's it's not anything to do with you know fun or fairness or anything else. It's how can we play as many games as possible in you know as short a time as possible that still makes it safe for players to not have any more risk of injury than non like non coronavirus type of injury than they normally would uh, um you know like obviously there's going to be a heightened risk of injury just due to having four and a half months off but you know how can we have you know as as little additional risk of injury as we would if we you know just played the rest of the regular season and playoffs like normal i think is sort of going to be the goal and still have you know as many games as possible so for you know from that sense i mean i think it makes sense to you know bring in you know whatever you want to do like get the get the games get the money do whatever you need to do like I don't need to like it, get you know, like I'm going to cover it and I'm going to watch it the same way, you know, regardless of whether they do what I would do or whether they do what my dog would do or whether they do just like what the Lakers say they want to do. You know, it doesn't particularly uh, change the way I'm going to approach my job. I don't imagine it's going to change the way you're going to approach your job or most of the teams are going to approach their jobs. Um, you know, to me, I do I do think that there are. Like I don't see the point of having like a second round of the playoffs without the Bucks or the Lakers, you know, um, or the Clippers or the Raptors. Like I mean, I would imagine, or the Celtics even. Like I would imagine, you know, it, in all likelihood, all of those teams would have ra- wound up in the second round of the playoffs, and having it without them seems strange. But I also think the league knows that and is going to try to figure out a way to, you know, even though it says that you know they're giving everybody the fair shot or an equal shot to get you know from wherever to wherever i don't think that that's the case um in reality and not just because the better teams are more likely to advance through whatever type of system that you set up anyway very well said and i so again another part of this story for me is if you're going to do something that either doesn't involve the best teams or that really doesn't have stakes for them Playing as many games as possible for revenue reasons is, is totally fine, and that's you know it's a it's a valid concern, and and it's it, good for all of us, by the it, way. Like, it's good for all of us, and it's even if you think it's a little bit, I don't know. There there are probably some who think that it's unseemly or unsettling, considering the physical risks involved. You know, like bringing an extra few teams and all of the variants in terms of COVID and everything else. That I assume the league is you know like there have been people like it's most important than safe, and it's like yes, of course that's true, but. We also, right. you like, also, if we want to ensure that nobody gets coronavirus, like a hundred percent chance that nobody gets coronavirus from the return of the NBA, the NBA is not returning. Right. Like there is inherent risk involved, no matter what plan they use to come back. Right, and, and I'm comfortable with the idea of informed consent. You know, that's a it's you and I are both both have legal backgrounds. It's the idea that as long as people are adequately and sufficiently informed of the risks and understand what they're doing that they can make that decision. It's just, you know, people have that with medical treatment all the time. They have it with various things in your life. It could be, you know, going on a trip or or anything else. And so if if the players individually collectively and also, I, I will note this: that if if there, I would be totally on board with any. If there are any players that refuse to be a part of this, that that should be that should be totally fine. Like if they're like, "Hey, I have a family. There are things in this life that are more important to me." Fine, 
Like I, I'm totally right, I, like Joe Ingles has come out and said like I know it's I believe it's his son has a a pre-existing condition. I'm not yes, sure what I be- condition I believe, it is, I but he true. said and I, I and I think his wife might be pregnant also. Um, or somebody's what somebody else said their wife was pregnant as well. Like if those guys don't want to come play for those reasons, like there should be absolutely no repercussions for them to me. Yes. Like you can't say this is a global pandemic and we're making it as safe as possible, but it's not a hundred percent safe. And also there's risk to your family and punish people for not coming. Like that's crazy. To it, me. it is. And so the, what I'm having the most trouble reconciling in this is is that idea of the passage of time. So if it's a one-week play-in tournament for the last couple of seeds, I don't think that's a problem for the top teams. They can do some extra scrimmages. Maybe they could do some games that really don't count, something like that. But if it starts to get into something longer, then it might be... But then you also have to take into account the idea that these teams are a little bit... The idea that we generally... It's rest versus rust. Well, there's going to be a crap load of rust. Oh, yeah. And I I also am uncomfortable with the idea, and this is why, again, it's again, players need to be consulted as they are in this, is because if you imagine it being like, let's say, a two-week process where these other teams are playing games that count, and they go straight into a series against a Lakers or a Bucks team that hasn't played a game that mattered for four months, that's a real challenge, too. Sorry, four months. I'm, this could be significantly longer than that. It could be five. And mm-hmm. it's... It's really a challenge, and that's a part of why I really like the idea of top teams being able to choose their opponents, because they also that think about how much fun that would be. Again, this is fun, but it's fun that has a purpose, because it gives the top teams an advantage. And think about how, let's say there's a play-in tournament, how we would be watching the tournament differently with the knowledge that, depending on if they're splitting it by conferences or not, the Bucks are watching it too and saying, hey, like, who, who, is, our, who is our juiciest potential opponent? Who is, who is the team that we are, the Bucks or the Lakers or whoever, however, however they're structuring it? Like, sure, you get to tell us who's in, but we get to decide who we want to play. I think that's a really like it adds a it adds a level of intrigue and context to a play in tournament that would be absolutely fascinating and I think would really increase engagement because you're watching it not only to see which of these teams get in, but it's not just like the playing games in the NCAA tournament or something else, because there's this additional wrinkle. Yeah, so I would say that's a change that's not particularly another change that's not particularly likely to stick around in the future. Like I don't know that I see the NBA going to a system where, you know, the the one seed or the one and two seeds or whoever pick their opponents from the bottom or bottom two teams i don't I, know I that i see that wrong, sticking but around for the I nba but but was... for this year i think it makes sense as a way to re-give those top teams the advantage that they're losing by not being able to you know have more home games and not have as much travel um I, so to me that makes considerably more sense than a you know another kind of thing that's just you know injecting fun and chaos for the purpose of fun and chaos like to me again i, I think that that makes a little bit more sense so you know I, I don't know that it would necessarily be my first preference but from in in terms of being chosen over other ideas i think i would go there and then also just i think one of the things that um has sort of skirted under the radar because it's just sort of assumed that you know some quarantine period will happen i was listening to i can't remember which podcast it was last week and there was talk about potentially doing a, a quarantine period when everybody gets there of less than 14 days and to me like if you're gonna do that um don't come back like 
the current CDC guidelines recommend a 14-day quarantine period when you're, you know, traveling uh, uh, across state lines or trying to minimize risk or whatever. And the state of Florida, where they're going to be playing, has, you know, a mandatory 14-day quarantine period. But right now, for a people that come from certain states, uh, New York, um, New Jersey, I can't remember the other ones, maybe California. Uh, but there's at least a few states that are on that list, and the United States has a 14-day quarantine period mandated for anybody that comes in from overseas. So, you know, no matter what, guys like you know Luka Doncic, who we know has has gone home, anybody that's still in New York right now that comes back, like you know, guys on the Nets if they live in New York, they're all going to have to quarantine for 14 days when they get to Disney. That's just the way it's going to have to be unless there's some sort of special dispensation made. And like, if you're making special dispensation, what are you doing? Like you, you said you were going to make it as safe as possible. This is the recommendation of how to make it safe as safe as possible. Don't ask for special dispensation. Like do what is necessary to make well, it as safe as possible. They're, they're like not... also just, you can't have people quarantined for different lengths of time. You can't say like, Oh, Luca came from out of the country. He's got a quarantine for 14 days. But you know, this guy from the Kings came from, you know, uh, Louisiana he's, because that's where he's staying. And he only has a quarantine like for that's, seven days. that's a big, a big, big advantage theoretically. If there are people who are already there in Florida, mm-hmm. like let's say they're in Orlando, like the Orlando magic. Yeah. Then they don't have to quarantine at all. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's a really good point. And it is all about safety. And then the other element of the timing part of this is the NBA is going to have to figure out, you know, th- and this will be an, a, a consideration when they do all this of, well, what's going to happen with next season? But they can, I think they can make all of that work. And being, being too cute, being premature, being aggressive, let's financially, whatever it is. To try to minimize or try to reduce that two weeks is just so indicative of like bad process. You know, it's like it, you you do all the safety stuff first, and you treat all of that as a given, as a mandatory, and then you say, okay, within the universe of what is what we can do now and what is advisable and everything else, what makes the most sense. Trying to skip steps in the early part just means that you're not thinking it through or you're valuing things other than health and safety. Yes, in 100% agreement. I also think you need to take into consideration like for any of these plans, like how long are they going to take? Yes. You know, right, right now the current proposal is to come back on July 31st um, to play at least a few regular season games and then have the playoffs. Like if you're also doing a plan tournament or a group stage thing after doing those regular season games, like when's the season ending? Late October, November? You know, when are you starting next season in January or February? Like that's really not tenable. Like to me, you should probably want to have things done by like mid October at the latest. Like so that you can justifiably try to start the season by Christmas, which has well, been sort of the thing that's been most commonly talked about. And then I look for, for next year, I think if you start the season on Christmas, you should just do it like as close to as normal as possible. And then you just keep moving it back for, you know, two weeks or three weeks for the next few years. And eventually you get back to your sort of mid-October starting time. Like, I don't know that you should have one year where there's like a one-month gap between the end of the season and the start of the next season. Like, it should just be a gradual sliding back to wherever they want it to end up. Yeah, and I I thought about the idea of using the 2020-21 season as an opportunity to try a shorter, like a shorter slate. But the challenge there is... Remember that the, the whole TV point, money. Well, not not only the TV money because you could fulfill the national TV contract even with fewer games in the regular season. However, 
those of us, which includes me and I think includes you, who support a shorter, a reduced number of games in the regular season, the whole point that all of us are arguing is that you don't shorten the length of the regular season, that it's right. that you spread the games out more. So that actually doesn't solve the problem. If they cut it to 60 and they play it in three quarters of the amount of time, then you're not solving anything. You you are squaring it up. But I think it, it, there are a lot of really important tactical decisions that need to be made thinking about all of this but then the other overwhelming factor is that this could all change again you know that it's you're doing the best you can with the information that we have but maybe the world looks very different in december maybe it looks different in january and things and things have to adjust but i i think you're very right to be cognizant of the timeline here and one thing that runs in their benefit uh, brian windhorse has talked about this a few other people is that it is true that since everybody's in the same place there are elements that can be faster this year than other years. Like, for example, within reason, I think that teams can play every other day. There's no mm. travel at all. You know, there's no air, no air travel, but also, like, everybody can sleep in not their own bed, but in the bed that is their own for now every single night. So you might want to spread it out a little bit more in the first round or equivalent anyway, just by the sheer logistics of how many games are you going to show. Like, if there are if there are eight, if there are eight games a day that count for the playoffs, it's going to be hard to get everybody to watch everything. So maybe you want to make that six or five, and then you have so everybody plays every third day or something like that for at least a little while. And then once you get down to eight teams or even 16, then you then it's like, because if it's 16 teams, then it's eight games per round day, let's call it that. And then so that could be four and four. That's not too big of a deal. So yeah, there's a lot that they have to think about. But even if it's every other day, then it's probably like a, a two month playoff. So yeah, I'm I'm really interested in and that's not much shorter than your typical playoffs, by the way, if it's shorter at all. Yeah, I, I think it might even be able to be tighter than so yeah. Well, I also think that does that that is like assuming every everything goes seven every like something goes seven in every round. Which it doesn't always, but remember, and and another way they can theoretically benefit. I was I, this actually came up a couple of days ago because somebody was we were talking about Game of Thrones. And I was saying, yeah, I watched all of Game of Thrones to caught up to that point when there was that year where both of the conference finals ended super early, and then the uh, the NBA um, finals uh, always start on a specific date. And so I, I had I think like a week and a half where there were no games, and so that's when I watched all of the Game of Thrones at that point. I think that was like four seasons or whatever. And that is when, coincidentally, not on purpose, that year, my hip surgery was scheduled for literally the day after the Eastern Conference Finals ended, and I had a full week to recover at my parents' house before the finals started that I got back to my apartment That's board. amazing. So yeah, there are, there are a, lot of, a lot of those elements to consider, and I'm excited about the you know, as a as an analyst, when it, when we get the actual proposal, which probably will be in the next week, which is part of why I wanted to do this kind of setting it up podcast, is what what was prioritized, what is the general timetable, and how how deep did they game this out? So did they do they announce the the day of the draft? Because they might. Are they right. gonna, the start of the next the intended start date of the next regular season? The intended start of free agency? Like we there. In an ideal in an ideal world, I think they're putting tentative plans for all of those things in right now because you kind of have to. Whether they announce all of them or not, because that just puts more pressure on those dates, is another question. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think also just to me, there's been way too much talk about the ideas of what to do when we come back and not enough about how to implement everybody's ideas that they have. Like sure. the it's especially right now, it's considerably more important how they would actually work in practice than what they sound like in your head or in theory or how much fun you think it would be. And I think that's, you know, that's true for in the future, too. Like if you want to implement your idea to change the playoffs like you should probably have an idea also for how it's actually going to work when you implement it but that's you know especially true this year just because the implementation is literally the whole thing it's all that matters <laughs> yeah uh we can obviously go in other directions but this is i just want to emphasize this there is a lot of you know the the 22 team 20 team thing this season and i think we're at, honestly we should be consider ourselves pretty lucky there's this group there were 13 teams that had a, that have currently have a record 10 plus games over 500. That's who we should be caring about right now. Like all of this other stuff is more window dressing and revenue talk than anything else. And I am so I've talked about how the focus on the top teams and I think that's that to me that's important because you're incentivizing the regular season. But, and I think by the way that the the league will do that. Like uh, you know maybe not the top 13 teams but they're certainly going to focus on how do we make sure you know the lakers the clippers the bucks you know to a certain Don't extent get knocked like out the, early. right yeah and you know to a certain uh extent probably a few teams after them like they are i guarantee it even though you're not talking about having games like in la and having all that money there like they are certainly dreading a scenario where like the lakers get knocked out in the first round of whatever system they set up Right, especially when, you know, stars can drive ratings and interest and the NBA also a lot of sports could be back around the same timeline, but no other sport is going to have the same combination of anticipation, unusual circumstances and stakes. Baseball well, could I think be back perhaps to- the NHL, like they're coming back right away with a 24 team yeah. so- uh, playoff. Yeah, thing. the caveat it's, that it's I should have said is sport that has as much rel- that has as much um, salience in the United States. It does in right. Canada. I'm a I, you know I, I I I know more about that than, than a lot of people considering my dad grew up in Montreal. But it's but yeah, but the NBA like of the you know of the the larger sports in the United States, especially in some ways, if college sports are not operating in the same capacity. And the NFL. Don't worry, college sports has it all under control. They got football coaches out there talking about how the athletes can be guinea pigs for a return to school plan. Good times. Yeah, it sounds exactly. It sounds perfect to me. And the NFL, you know, it kind of sounds like their their plan is to just do the same thing as always. And so that that actually that's exceeds, truly shocking as well. Yeah, exactly. No, no brand stays stronger than the Shield, but the that gives the to me gives the NBA a very different opportunity and a lot there's been a lot of attention paid to the idea of starting around christmas and getting you know basically avoiding the nfl true but with this structure they're gonna have like six days a week where in the united states they're the biggest thing going sports wise when in yeah i mean certainly like assuming that they're the only sport back at the time they come back um i think is or uh, them in baseball but yeah um, like baseball maybe back who knows like this discussion about the taking even less than the prorated salaries for the players seems insane to me. Um, I don't particularly see how you justify it. Um, certainly there are people that disagree with me. I think that they're off their rockers, but um, you know, the NBA and probably the NHL will be like the only game in town. If baseball 
doesn't come back. Like we know the NHL is coming back. I don't know when or what the structure is going to look like. I would assume that like the NBA, they're going to have, you know, a bunch of games during the day, like all day. I don't know if they're doing it in a neutral site or what. Like, I, don't, I honestly have no idea how it's working. I just know that somehow the Rangers are involved, even though they weren't all that good. This Like they were better than inspe- expected, but they weren't very good. But they're in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. It's strange. But yeah, I mean, look, they're they're going to be on all day, every day. You know, I would imagine the NBA is going to do whatever possible to like minimize the number of games per day so that you can um, see all of them. Like, I don't know if they're going to want to have like a game at twelve, a game at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So like, so that they're staggered, but you have to be watching all of them at the same time. Like, that doesn't seem all that likely to me. But I do think you know, obviously, in the later rounds, you can get back to doing you know games the way you would normally do them on TV and like as the postseason crowd thins out the the risk of infection goes down just because less people are going to be variants, there yeah yeah um Fewer which yeah yeah and and exactly and that was something i was talking about with my um with my parents actually uh, they were talking about like how's this going to work with the NBA and i'm like well one of the good things is once we get into like the normal playoff format half the teams are gone every two weeks or so mm. And that could be even tighter, you know. So, like a seven-game series, if you're saying playing every other day, that takes a maximum of 14 days. A lot of series will be done in a week and a half. And if you're thinning out, thinning out that quickly, and all of you know, it's not it's not half of the people that are in the bubble because there are going to be a lot of other you know logistical people and television people and everything else. But that does, as you said, that does change. And those people aren't going to hang around. Like they're they're gonna. Yeah, I'm good. also just interested to see like what's the policy on families going to be. Um, like what are the well, and what's the policy going to be on who there? can be in the arena? Like is, are they gonna are they gonna allow players of other teams to be in the stands? Because that would be like, fascinating. What if, an, what if an owner wants to come, but they're not like gonna be there for the whole full bubble. Like the owner just wants to come to see his team play the conference finals because he has an opening in his schedule for whatever reason. What do you do about that? Oh, God. Yeah. And as we've seen in so many other entities, powerful people could try to carve out exceptions for themselves. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's a really comp- – The NBA is trying to – the NBA is trying to carve out an exception for itself Certainly seems that just way. in enacting this plan and in terms of getting the tests that not necessarily everybody in every state can get at any time. Yeah. Um, you know, like – the only reason it's able to do that is because of the power and influence and money that it has. Absolutely. So we, we've talked about um, – let's kind of finish this with um, what each of us can lay out what our ideal format is, knowing what we know right now. And there are obviously things that we don't know that would, would affect our judgment. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to hear yours. I don't know okay, that I'll, really I'll, I'll, have... go, I'll go first. Since I since I have it as already written, so I can I can go through it, and I, I thought about this a lot. So the reason why I went, and it's funny because we we've, we've each you more than me, but we've each talked about some of the negatives of the group stage, especially in the early part of this podcast. I went with it for the specific reason that I just think those those, those top teams need to play; they need to be a little bit more fresh. You know, they need to be a little less rusty. And so my idea was. I didn't specify whether it was going to break down to 16 or 8 because I did that involves a constraint that I didn't know in terms of timing. But my idea was you take 20 teams, you put them in, you put them in in four groups of 5 and the top half of whatever you go to next. So if it's 6 if you're going to a 16 team tournament, 
than the top the top eight, and if it's an eight team tournament, then it's top four. Those teams are guaranteed spots, and they're guaranteed the top spots in the order of the regular season finish. And then, so so, you, but they're still in the group stage, and they can they can approach it however the hell they want, and I'm fine with that. Uh, I think they'll actually care a little bit just because they're trying to get in, in rhythm and all that. They won't be focused necessarily on winning the games, but they'll be. But I think they will be trying different things. Anyway, so then you and then you so you fill half of it with those teams in that order, and then you fill the other half with whoever warrants it based on play. And the, one of the things I liked about the group stages, especially being four teams, is that things are in multiples of four. So if it's sixteen teams that are getting into the next round, well then you just cut the shittiest team from each group. If it's eight, then it's going to be a, a narrower filter. And um, how do you just quickly? How do you decide how to seed the teams that come out of the group stage? I would – well, so in my system, you don't have to because – so I I'd said the top half, the top half of whatever the first stage is – oh, how do you see them in the group stage or how coming out – you said coming out of the group stage. That come okay. out of okay. the Okay, so stage. I'll explain that. So my system doesn't require that because what happens is then – so you have the top half of, of the post-group stage, whatever vo- size that is, that are going to be in order of regular season record and they're all guaranteed admission. Then I have – the top teams choose their opponent from the bottom. Got it. Choosing in, in order of record, and so that way it doesn't matter what the order is. The top team can just choose whoever the hell they want. And so you say, well, so let's let's do it with a sixteen team. So the top eight teams are the top eight teams are in. I'll lay out who those are right now. So that would be the Bucks, the so Lakers. Is it the top eight or the top four from each conference? I would do top eight total. Um, everybody gets everybody gets admission in, but if they want to do it, I'll just say that I think that that's probably unlikely. But if they want to do it, if they want to do, they're not going to agree. Yeah, if they want to do it conference style, that's fine. Like you, my system works either way. If they want to do it that way, if they want to do conference by conference, if they want to do it, it, it works either way. I'm just saying what I would prefer the most. So let's say the top eight, irrespective of conference, I actually think it might be four and four: Bucks, Lakers, Raptors, Clippers, Celtics, Nuggets, Jazz, Heat. Um, yeah, that's four. That's four and four. Okay, so then that that ends up working out. Huzzah! And then those eight teams. <laughs> so if it's a sixteen team, and incidentally, if it's yeah, it actually works conference wise. If it's four as well, it's four west, four east. So you could you could that's really good fortune. Um, so then those teams choose among the if it's a sixteen team, those teams choose their opponents in order of record. Of the eight teams remaining, and it doesn't matter what their seating is, those teams have quote-unquote home court, they get all that, and then when you get to the next round, so if we're starting with 16, that'd be eight, you do the whole thing over again. So it's, and and so then it would be, you know, you have the same eight, but then whoever gets cut out and whoever the four best regular season records are of those teams, they choose their opponents of it. And one of the things that I also really enjoy, uh, I talked about this a little bit in the piece, I could have emphasized it a little bit more, is... There's this really fascinating benefit from the teams that outperform expectations it, all, that are lower half teams because they're not going to get chosen as much. And so they actually, even mm-hmm. though it's like, oh, yeah, it's hard. You know, if you're the – if you came in as the uh, like the 12th best team, you're going to be facing good opponents every time. That's true, but you actually face worse opponents the better you do because you'll, theoretically if teams are choosing rationally, they're going to be scared of you. Um, so that yeah, I think that uh, it would be hilarious if, like, let's say the Magic somehow go, you know, seven and one in their group stage or whatever, and then the Bucks are like, "Oh no, we don't want to play the Magic," and they pick some other team. Like, that'd right? Just and be and, so and I had people like in the comments of my piece talk about how, like, oh, nobody's actually going to do it, and I said, "Yeah, that's entirely it's entirely possible." But the first time somebody doesn't, you know, does the does like the oh, we're just going to take the worst record and they lose. 
or they have a way tougher series than somebody else. Like they don't make the Machiavellian pragmatic pick and they have a way harder series. Then I think that will start to change it. And it'll, it'll, and and so, yeah. And so then you, you go that way until you have, until you have a winner. And I would, you know, even though there are part, there's a lot of me that doesn't like the conference format that would prefer a top 16 in an ideal world. I, over the years have acknowledged and understood better why conferences exist for like television reasons and travel logistic reasons. So you could incorporate the choosing opponents in another in another year, it would just have to be altered to fit the normal NBA paradigm. But I still firmly believe that it would work and that it would be superior to the current thing. Yeah, look, uh I would say my ideal scenario, I guess now that I think about it, is just the regular playoffs with whatever 16 teams are in at the time whatever version of the regular season they have is over yeah you have, you have um, some very just, you have some very intelligent company on that it's just the simplest way to do things and i don't know that we need to get complicated for complicated's sake um well and also if it's just those 16 teams and, and i that would be probably other than some slight nuances to my proposal that would be my number two is it makes it pretty easy to put together some interesting like warm up tune up regular season games because I think something the league is, is going to be probably be cognizant of is they don't want to do like a Bucks Lakers regular season tune up game because then it's going to like you know there might be too much pressure and it's like oh you spoil a finals matchup and all that type of stuff I think they're going to mm-hmm. want to try to keep it a little keep the best teams a little separated yeah I think that 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 is probably true um I guess I'm pretty curious to see like how do they decide who's playing who in the remainder of these regular seasons like what does that process look like it might just be randomized that might be how they do it but that's going to be an important point in negotiation but then you could run into that exact issue you just Mm -hmm. described like what if you have like two lakers bucks games well and then the other part is there have been some proposals that involve regular season games that those regular season games that are still to be played affect seeding and then it gets really crazy. So like because a lot of these I, I we talked about how things kind of break neatly right now. It's mm-hmm. it's on a razor's edge. You know so I talked about there you know like they're Okay, so as an example, Miami currently has the eighth best record of anybody in the NBA. They are a half game ahead of Oklahoma City and Houston and a half game behind the Utah Jazz, who one of their best players is out for the entirety of the playoffs. Oh, right. The Jazz, like... But yeah, so it's... They, like, I it, mean, everybody has said it. Like, they had a horrible uh, couple of months. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sad, so, so I mean, if they're going to do regular season games that count, that count for seeding, then all of this is up for for being changed in negotiations. But also the hilarious part is the only thing that isn't is who the eight teams are because there's not really a reasonable expectation that unless there's some sort of spectacular collapse that if you expand, if you did regular season games and then did a a 16 team playoff based on that, that anybody's going to jump the magic or the Grizzlies because it's just not enough time. Mm -hmm. Like if they play, if they're playing like seven games, Portland in order, so let's say Memphis goes 500 in those games. Currently, Memphis has a it's a three game lead, uh, three and a half. They have a three, three and, and a half, half. Lead, lead on the Blazers. So if Memphis goes 500 and let's say it's eight games, then Portland has to go undefeated to get in over them. So that like so if you're if they're going to play regular season games that affect seating, it should just be those 16 teams, which is hilarious because that's like exactly the opposite of what some people would think intuitively. <laughs> Oh, man. It's it, honestly, it makes your brain hurt thinking about all of this stuff for too long. 
Yeah, and what's fun is in probably about a week we will have an actual proposal to pick apart, and that will be fun. that will be a very uh, that will be a very different opportunity and challenge. But the NBA, and I'm working on a piece that's going to talk a lot about this. The NBA has a long history of unintended consequences affecting the course of the oh league. yeah. And there might not be a larger Pandora's box that could potentially be open for unintended consequences than everything involving this. Not only picking the deserved. No, I'm pretty sure every CBA negotiation qualifies. <laughs> That's true, but even you know, like the timing of the n- next season, and that could open up unintended consequences. And how long the structure of this year's off season? Also, like, are they deciding during this time right now, are they deciding what's happening with the cap as well? Like, are they deciding all of that? Like, I don't think they will. I think they're well. So I've I've heard a couple things there. One is that teams want more time now, but they're I I they could also like, yeah, I guess I think what's going to happen is between now and the start of play, we will get a very, very strong Pro, like preliminary cap estimate. That's my that if I were to predict it right now, I don't have inside knowledge. I'm not Shams, I'm not Woj, I'm not anybody like that. My guess is they come to an agreement this week and then around the return to play in Jul- in late July, early August, they're like this is our, our tentative agreement for where the cap is going to be for 2020/21. Oh man, it's uh I I'm sure we'll get, you know, plenty of Woj bombs and Shams bombs and low bombs and whoever else Stein bombs, whoever else uh, in the immediate aftermath of whatever agreement happens. But um, I'm more interested, I think, in the logistics of how they're going to make whatever plan they come up with, both for how to finish the season and then for how to move into the future. Uh, That's more interesting to me than the details of what the plan is, because you have to be able to make it work. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what your plan is. So. That's that's a great point and a great way to, to end this because I think that's a, a really healthy perspective. Thank you so much for taking the time. Pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much to Jared Dubin for taking the time to come on. You can read his work all over the internet, and he has a really cool thing. It's an authory, um, authory.com. You can see the link on his Twitter bio, and that compiles – that has all of, all the stuff he writes wherever, and that's important because Jared writes all over. He does the um, – and his NFL work is at CBS, then his basketball work is various different places including – 538 fansided and um so you can see it all in one place also you should if you don't already follow him on twitter jadubin5 j-a-d-u-b-i-n then the number five and really love having him on it was i i thought an enlightening conversation for me and hopefully if it's there for me and i've spent a lot of time thinking about this it was for you as well the strengths and weaknesses of the different things and as i said in the intro i like to think of this as a primer because it was what we think is important what we think to look for because at some point soon we're going to find out the actual proposal the actual idea and so hopefully you can keep all of these different pressures in the back of your mind and see what things the league and player association are prioritizing which things they're de-emphasizing and my sincere hope is that they come to a healthy viable resolution because that is what is best for everybody and i care far more about that than it being fun or being interesting and while i argued for a more novel approach it was it was one that was meant to be more modest and and be and but be material and i think that playoff teams choosing their opponents is something that the nba should do all the time and if you want to read more about that you can check it out at the athletic that pieces up if you want to support this show there are a lot of different ways you can do it you can leave a rating leave a review in the podcast player if you're choosing it's great if it's apple podcast totally understand if it's not 
You can also spread the word however you see fit, social media, in person, say, hey, this episode, this podcast is something that you'd like. Really do appreciate that. Helps people find the show. And also subscribing and downloading every episode. That is really important because that helps um, our numbers, helps advertisers, and uh, everything. And so that gets you in the habit. This episode is unusual coming out on a Saturday, but that's when I had time. That's when Jared had time. So that's when we made it happen. And originally I was hoping that this could be post-Board of Governors meeting and instead of being a look forward to the eventual resolution, be a look at the announced resolution, but that isn't the way things turned out. It's totally fine. And, um, gives us in probably another few days, week to, to do all that. But don't be surprised if that's what next podcast is, unless Nate and I decide to go in depth on it for dunked on, in which case I don't like to duplicate these, but the most important thing you can do for this show and any other that has them is check out our sponsors for this episode. That is bet online and use the podcast one promo code for your sign up bonus they have a ton of stuff going on you you heard what i said about it earlier in the show so definitely check out bet online and you can also check out my work uh primarily at the athletic in terms of written stuff now i did that aforementioned piece on the playoff reforms that i would like to see happen also did a three-part pelicans q a with will guillory did have recently done some on the knicks and the hawks as well and have a bunch of different irons in the fire some of which are in the editorial process some of which are in the planning stages some of which are in the writing stages including a what looks like it's going to be a four-part series that i'm not announcing yet because it's going to be um it's a lot of work and i want to get it more together before i announce it but that could launch before the next real gm radio in which case it will definitely come up and if you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com is the way to share that with me. If you take the time to write it, I promise I will take the time to read it and I will respond if I can. Have a lot going on, some, but I, I make sure there's a specific spot they go in my inbox. And if there's anything that is unread there, I make sure to read it by the end of each day. And I, a lot of it is positive. It doesn't have to be, but I really do appreciate that. And it does make the show better. That is something that is important to me. And hopefully, I mean, there's a lot of heaviness out there for so many different reasons and i i hope that you're all staying as safe as you can and that um you know hopefully this and and the work that i do can help make things a little bit better maybe take your mind off of some of that stuff or get you excited about something that is to come because if i can do anything right now i think it's probably that and um take care of each other take care of yourselves thanks for listening take care and make it a great day (music) 